Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General state's pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Tell your chico pit boomers to 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's, that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Heather Navarro. Clark Wolf, Sam Levine, what do they have to do with anything? They all are involved with the DC Universe. They're talking Batman. They're talking Superman. I love this. I love it so much that they're all a part of this DC Universe because I'm not going to be able to, to stay away now because I heard about it through them, and now I know that we're involved with it. I'm going to go and check out. I can watch Batman. I can watch whatever it is. Batman the Animated Series in HD. It's on the DC Universe, and I was excited to hear about this. I didn't even know what it was. I had no clue, and they told me, and it's pretty exciting. Listen, listen to all this. It's the ultimate DC membership. Think about it. It's created just for DC fans. Like, look, Mike Kalinowski's jumping off the roof when he heard about this thing. It is the ultimate DC membership created just for the DC fans and the only place you can watch original DC series like the all-new live-action Titans. It's coming out in the fall of 2018. Young Justice, Outsiders, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Stargirl, and Harley Quinn all coming out in 2019 already, stacking it up and getting it ready for the hardcore fans. There's new episodes available weekly, so you're always going to have something new to watch. It's thoughtfully curated, regularly refreshed library of digital comics. Digital comics is 2,500 modern and classic titles. There's a comic reader that will change the way you read comics, and it even works on your big screen TV. It's the place to grab exclusive DC merch. Justice League animated series action figures, members-only store. You can debate and discuss all things DC. We know how passionate you guys can go. Well, they've got forums. There's fan-focused discussion forums. This thing's going to blow up. Share your own DC knowledge. It's interactive encyclopedia with fan contribution. You can win awesome rewards just for being a member. It's available on your favorite devices. It's the iOS, Android, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Android TV, and, and Google Chromecast. It's everywhere. This is more than a streaming service. This is your universe. Listen to this price already. All the stuff I just told you, it's only $7.99 a month. Or better yet, you grab an annual membership and save 20%. It's pretty simple. Join the ultimate DC membership today at dcuniverse.com. I, I think Kalinowski did it twice.
Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Technical problems, we're late, but we're live. Uncle Bob Iger gives a, a little bit of insight to the Star Wars schedule. John Kazan gives insights into Solo. And live from New York, it's Kylo Ren Part 2. It's Collider Jedi Council. Now. Hello, everybody. This is Collider Jedi Council live here Thursday, a little after 10 a.m. Some internet problems have uh, led to us starting a little bit late, but we're still here for you. And I'm joined by some uh, very nice people because Christian Harloff is out today. He'll be back. I'm Ken Napsok. We have returned to the show, Aroka Fett. Hello, everyone. (laughs) I'm recovering from surgery. I'm doing my best to stay awake. I may fall apart. I may walk off the set randomly. I don't know what's going to happen. I've had a lot of drugs pumped into me since yesterday. I'm going to try to hold on. I'm going to be like Tom Cruise holding on to the side of an aircraft. There well, I, for one, sir, <laughs> am ready and standing by to make sure you're okay. You can't help me. you got a weightlifting accident. I hurt myself in the gym yesterday. Cody and Adam Smith had to put me into this chair. They're going to have to help me out of this chair. We are falling apart, which is why I'm very happy we have someone who's together, the Grand Moff Nemiroff, Perry Nemiroff. How am I the only one in fighting form today? What's going on here, Well, guys? you're uh, you're the only one in a, you're not in a decade that John and I are in. No. <laughs> Come on, give yourself some credit here. Uh, we're doing all right. Yeah. You know, we're doing all right. We're hanging in. We're, we're hanging, hanging in there. But there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about, so I'm very... Happy to be on the show and uh, uh, so much, so much stuff. I love when uh, I'm driving into the show and I get a text from John Roca saying breaking news. We're going to be talking about this because it usually means it's something juicy. Mm-hmm. And with uh, Bob Iger, Bob Iger uh, giving some insight, as he often does. Uh, my friend Joseph Scrimshaw over at Four Center coined the phrase IgerCon, which is what we uh, refer to when uh, – Good old Bob Iger gives us more information than any other source in Hollywood. So we're here for Star Wars Movie News. I kind of remembered it, Cody. And Bob Iger was speaking with The Hollywood Reporter. So a planned interview that happened a bit ago, not one of his investor calls where he sheds a lot of light that Lucasfilm isn't prepared for him to shed on uh, there. Uh, Iger talked about a Star Wars slowdown, but that is kind of a headline, a grabby headline (laughs) that people love responding to like you're screaming at a billboard out there um 
let's really dive into that a little bit here with what he's saying there. I'll pull up the quote. I'm going to our friends uh, and colleagues at Collider.com. Adam Chitwood wrote a nice little uh, summary of that part, the Star Wars part of the article uh, and the story. So, John Perry, I'll start with you, John. Dive yeah. on in with Uncle Bob here. Yeah, I, I like what he had to say. I think he felt like he had to say it. You know, the, I think he very strongly said the buck stops with me. You want to hear that from someone who's in charge of the entire company. So he gets it. Kind of taking the weight for Kathleen, kind of taking a weight for all these other people and saying, yeah, maybe we rushed it. Maybe we made some decisions, blah, blah, blah. It's Monday morning quarterbacking, but if anyone's going to Monday morning quarterback, it should be the the owner of the situation, in essence, you know, in essence, uh, Bob Iger. So I like that he said all this stuff. But it does give fuel to the fans who have been complaining about this since the beginning, and that's what concerns me the most. Does this now make fans feel even more entitled to be like, see, I was right. You shouldn't have rushed it. You pushed this stuff. You pushed your own agenda. You made all these mistakes, blah, blah, blah. And and then we're back to square one where people feel like a, a, an anger or will possibly this kind of wipe the slate clean and people go, you know what? He admitted the mistakes. They're going to slow it down. They're going to take their time and, and put a little more care and attention. So now I have a little more hope going forward than I had when I woke up this morning. I don't know. It's a good question. I've already seen some tweets of people who think they know how to make movies. You don't. Um, so uh, people here at this table have. You haven't. Um, so it, that's what I mean. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's interesting to dive into this, Perry. Well, I mean, it's the saying, hindsight is twenty right. twenty, I, And, you know, I'm sure there were some out there that from the very beginning were saying, you know, slow down, take your time with this stuff. But I feel like that side of the argument didn't get super loud until after The Last Jedi came out. So right. now in that Great really point. small window, it's it's oh, see, I was right. But when we were having uh, Force Awakens in Rogue One, yeah, there were some issues with Rogue One, but the film turned out great. Yeah. At that point, I mean, Personally, for me, I was sitting here saying, give me more, more, more. I mean, how long until we get to two a year? And then when it came time, I mean, the fact is, I I just think Solo is not a great movie. It has nothing to do, in my mind, with, oh, it came out X amount of months after The Last Jedi. Disney has already proved that model can work with the Marvel films. Mm -hmm. It's just... Some mistakes were made along the way. It's not necessarily pinpointing your release dates. It's a whole variety of things. Some things that no matter how much they plan and how much time and care they put into something, things veer off course in movie making all the time. We've repeated this time and time again. Making a movie can change drastically between development, pre-production, production, production, post-release. So many things can go wrong, and I think this is them just standing there and saying, hey, guys, we've reassessed what's happened we learned our lessons, and now we're going to plot a new course for the future. I think that's very insightful, especially how people – this timing thing didn't come up until now, at least in the fan base. We, we know Force Awakens, there was a little bit of a battle over the release date where some people wanted mm-hmm. maybe push back to 2016, the Michael Arndt uh, removal of the story, Kazden coming in with – a little bit. But it wasn't – at the end result, everyone was generally happy. Uh, 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 the big thing for me, as someone who loves Solo, who's watched it five times in the last three days. Wow. Uh, one of my favorite Star Wars stories. Um, okay. I do, though, wish they had waited. Mm-hmm. I wish they'd let Ron Howard come in and have a little more time. And then some of the surface issues, because I do think the movie just guide, slides along on the surface a lot of the time. I wish they would have had a little more time. But what I, the most interesting thing I have here is this is Bob Iger saying, I made these calls because of investors. 
because of the business, mm-hmm. because of we wanted solo in the first or second quarter of the business year so I could show my investors the money we're making the rest of the year, those kind of things, that is real. Mm-hmm. That is, we're WWE fans. Yeah. That starts going public. Paul Levesque now has to be Paul Levesque and answer to investors. Vince right. McMahon has to answer to investors. That's the reality here. And I think yeah. it's a little bit of Iger saying some of these calls were mine. Mm-hmm. Not Kathleen Kennedy's, not Lucasfilm's, mine. And maybe I made a mistake. Well, with the business angle of it, you know, it's it's the double-edged sword of being in a creative industry and making movies. It's, you know, as much as I want to say, oh, always put the creative above the money, you can't get creative again down the line unless you have that money and, and unless you have investors that are happy. But I also do think that Star Wars as a film franchise is a different case in that respect compared to a lot of other franchises out there where... We all know how vocal the fan base is and how important something like this is to them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't envy a guy like Bob Iger having to weigh that, the creativity, and then also the investors. Because the investors are looking at him and they're oh, saying, yeah. if you don't make do on what you've promised, we might have a little bit of an issue in the future. And, yeah, we all look at Disney as some, like, behemoth of an operation with endlessly deep pockets. But right now is going to be a game-changing time for them, not just with the film franchise, but also with competition coming from these streaming services. The moves that they make right now are going to be company-defining for the next, I would say, at least decade at this point. And, and you made a great point, Perry. You, you kind of want them then to stop and go, let's look. We know nine's coming as scheduled, you know, at least right now. Uh, let, let's see what's going on. You want them as a fan and as just an investor – uh, I own stock of them. I'm, I'm not on these calls because it's too early in the morning for me, John. Right. But yeah, yeah. Um, y- you want you want them to stop and go, what's what's working, and 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 see where we go from here. Yeah, and if you pull back, like Perry mentioned, the Marvel universe, that's a really important model to look at. But that's also a model that wor- that's that's an exception to the rule, not the rule, right? It was mm-hmm. so well done by Kevin Feige. You have. They didn't have to say some things are canon, some things are not canon. They had this wealth of characters to right. choose from, wealth of history that was all available to them to pick and choose from. With Star Wars, as soon as Kathleen Kennedy walked in, it was like, this is canon. All this other stuff is not canon. That immediately put some people on their heels a little bit as fans. Be like, well, no, we've loved all this other stuff. But they, I feel like, yes, it's Iger's great to say this, and it's really cool, and he's taking the hit for the team. But I also think... It, I, I also think they need in this step back. They need to look at what worked and what didn't work, and be and make some hard choices and be strong about these hard choices because changes obviously need to be made here at this moment from the feeling amongst the fandom. Yes, was Solo what was the final straw? Sure, but it had been building since they the new regime came in and took over. They took it from George Lucas and did and did what they did, and now they're back in the position that George Lucas was at the end of the prequels. This idea that the fans are turning, didn't like what the product is overall, and are upset with it. So we'll see where they go with this. I think they made mistakes with the from JJ to uh, to uh, um, who's I'm sorry, who directed the second one again? Ryan Johnson. Oh, right, sorry, from JJ to Ryan, and then back to JJ. That kind of stuff. Sorry, I'm on the drugs. But John Roca is JJ to Ryan from to surgery. J- yeah, right. And then Trevor <laughs> stepped in and directed yeah. ten. No, I'm just saying those kinds of things. They, you know, when they made those mistakes, I think people saw that as like, well, why isn't there a cohesiveness? And that's the mistake I think they made. This mm. idea of quarters or not quarters, none of that applies to the MCU because they bop out three films a year, and we we lap it up. Right, right. So it's it's a matter of like, well, what 
what is the direction now? Make the choices now. Have a strong team. Have a strong long-term goal. Because if you look at MCU, they're introducing characters in movies that five years later are going to pay off. And that is not what was happening in these Star Wars series. And if you're going to do the Star Wars stories, make them separate. Take chances. But I think they tried to play it too safe for a majority of the situation, and it ended up biting them in the butt. The MCU had to earn that luxury, though. It's not right. like the MCU. Right. And I'm, I'm starting with, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the new Star Wars trilogy because right, right. It w- there was such mm-hmm. a big gap there. But the second that happened, they kind of had to figure out how to find their footing in the best way, just like the MCU. Because, right. yeah, Iron Man, everybody freaked out about that. But let's not forget, there, there was, you know... The first, there was a Hulk movie. There, yeah, there was yeah, even the, the first Thor movie. Yeah. People aren't over the moon about yeah. that. And it wasn't like right from day one where like, oh, we're going to make the investors happy on every single quarterly call. It's, it's a thing you have to earn. And I think that's what they're trying to do now. It's just a matter of learning yeah. from your mistakes and figuring out how to preserve the longevity of a franchise like this. Yeah, and the pressure, I believe, began in oh, what, yeah. October 2012 when the sale was announced. Yep. And, and people are going to, you know, dash rend our fans. Hey, he's back in canon, by the way. <laughs> um, are uh, you know they're they're really going to have these certain feelings already? It's it's yeah. a and, and I think it's I, I business wise, you can definitely compare it to MCU. But you said it too, like they're uh, they're just pulling from everywhere and they're mm-hmm. kind of constructing their own story. And so it comes you know Star Wars, it is that weird weird battle of canon, and some people want super connections, some people don't like the super connections. It's it's. You know, what are we going to get a gunk droid movie? Shut up. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard. You can't, you can't make everyone happy. But I want to talk about the actual, the idea of it slowing down. Yeah. Because as he says, they're still making nine. We have creative entities, including Benioff and Weiss. He doesn't mention Johnson's trilogy, but we know that's still in development, at least as of right now. Mm-hmm. We heard the stuff about the, the standalones, and, and we know some of the movies were put on hold, which might be part of this. Um, the TV sh- show, the live action show is coming out. Resistance comes out October 7th. Big comic events are happening. More books. I mean, the actual slowing down of Star Wars is where I'm saying this is kind of a title where you're hearing that and going, what? They're stopping. They're not necessarily. We just have released it. I don't have the quote in front of me. Does it specifically say slowing down as it pertains to the films? He, he says you can expect some, some slowdown, yeah. but that doesn't mean we're not going to make films. Yeah. So so I basically connect that slowdown specifically to the films and mm. to this idea of them needing to, to reorganize, restructure, reshape their goals just in that respect. I, right. I have a feeling he purposely left the Favreau TV show out of that portion. Mm. I don't know if he discussed it on mm-hmm. the rest of the call at all, but out of that portion specifically, because I just have a feeling that they're going to go all in on that. I mean, mm-hmm, that's a mm-hmm. very, very expensive show. And it goes back to what I brought up before about the whole streaming service thing. Yeah. That right there is going to be a game changing deal for them. And it's going to essentially define that streaming service. He, he talks a lot. We've talked a, a lot about here in the Jedi Council. You, you were very right there. Uh, Perry, I actually have to go to your original tweet, John, to get the uh, THR. Uh, there's a great stuff, uh, great stuff in there about Iger just out and out saying Netflix is the model. Yeah. Netflix has done it right, and then you're going to see a change because they talk about the change of the industry. He's had you know the Lasseter problems, the Roseanne, James Gunn. It's a really good interview in the Hollywood Reporter. But he talks about uh, Netflix. By the way, there isn't a better example than Netflix uh, is what he says directly, and how you're going to see growth in the direct to consumer business. Mm-hmm. 
that's across the board. We're all experiencing that. Patreon yeah. is direct consumer mm-hmm. business, and a lot of us are going to that uh, because of problems with other entities. Uh, we 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 that that's where the battle is, and mm-hmm. that's where he does want to focus. And that that being said, I think no matter what the situation was with Last Jedi Solo and the reaction to those movies. I just have a feeling that one way or the other, we would have maybe not necessarily seen him drop a quote like, oh, it's a slowdown, expect a slowdown. But I think that for anyone out there who is expecting the amount of Star Wars movies we get a year to continually increase, I don't think that ever would have happened because I think they would have had to put the focus heavily on competing with the Netflix. Well, yeah, and you think about this, right? We come out of the situation. We were, um, Air Force, I mean, Force Awakens made so much money. Air Force One. And uh, then... Get Rogue- off my Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Get off my Falcon. And then, uh, um, and then uh, Rogue One came in, and even with all the stuff behind the scenes, it made a good... And yep. most, most Star Wars fans actually genuinely like Rogue One. So you started out in, in a good situation. It's just Last Jedi and Solo, now you fall down a little bit. But mm. I think the fans were revitalized by the Resistance stuff, the stuff with Filoni. He sees that the comics are working, the animated series are working, so... Why not go to the TV series and try to focus a little bit more on that? Slow down the film stuff a little bit and start. Because a lot of people, including our Mark, Mark Ellis, says, I missed the days when I looked forward to a Star Wars movie and I had to wait two years to see it. And like that kind of stuff. And maybe we, un- or maybe they undervalued that. Because I personally wanted two or three Star Wars films a year. I was like, if you have this I'm kind fine of, with it. Yeah, 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 if yeah, you have yeah, this kind yeah. of quality of talent behind it like the MCU does, that yes, go give me three Star Wars movies a year. But I think now in retrospect... That maybe wouldn't have been. It wasn't yeah. the smartest thing to go forward. So now take your time. Maybe every couple of years is a yeah, Star Wars I, film that's good. I don't want to clarify. Like I, I've not, at times not like the idea of two a year because I do mm-hmm. like the special treat. But we'll never have that moment in December 2015 again. We'll never have that yes, moment of oh, Star Wars is back. But I, I, I admit I'm 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 a freak. Uh, I, I, I mean I'm not joking. I've watched Solo complete in full five times in the last three and a half four days. Wow. And in between that, also watch watch Rogue One and Return of the Jedi. I'm also researching for a project, so I'm a little bit of a freak who never stops watching Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a, a lot of people, the general public, yeah, uh, not even general public, like fan, casual Star Wars fans. I think this is okay, and that's the other last mm-hmm. part of this discussion. And yeah, we're discussing business, and sometimes we, we discuss how much we love Forlom, but eh, this is part of being a Star Wars fan in this modern era, era, era of films, Perry. The actual slowing down, if it just means we're going to wait a year, we're going to find the release, right release dates, that's okay as a fan. I, I'm okay with it. I, I hate to admit this, and I'm sure it's going to get a, a not-so-nice response, but you know, when you were talking about what Ellis said about wanting that waiting period, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was never really one of the people who wanted that waiting mm-hmm. period. I wanted as much as I could get, mm-hmm. and I was thrilled with the idea that we could potentially get more than one film a year. But given the current conversation and the tone of the conversation... I, I think that's kind of what's turning me off to the idea more than, you know, mm-hmm. slow down to make good movies. I, I just don't want to I don't want to be drowning in, in that negativity and hate. And I'm not saying that because, oh, if you didn't like any of the movies I liked, you shouldn't say anything because right. you're ruining my fun. It's just the way that hate has been expressed. I mean, this is a conversation we've had time and time again. It's just, you know, it, it's upsetting. And from my perspective, mm-hmm. it, it takes it takes some of the, the fun and the joy that I, I once felt full force covering Star Wars. It takes it away a little bit. I apologize, Perry. You can like Dash Rendar all you want. (laughs) (laughs) But what do we do at this point? Like, let's, if if they take their time, Mm -hmm. and they wait, and they still make a film that doesn't work, what then? 
what do you do then? Do you shut it down? Do you just focus on the TV series and the comic books and the books that are so well received? Do you just do that? Do you, and how much uh, cachet do you lose with the Star Wars fans? And the other thing, and let's talk about it because Perry mentioned it as well, that some of the uh, vitriolic nature of the fans and some of the things they say about social justice, uh, you know, spoon-feeding us female leads, that kind of stuff isn't going to go away. So where's that going to go even if you wait a year or two uh, with the fandom, are they going to be upset again all over again with this kind of stuff? And so those are those things that, yeah, you can slow down all you want. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll come back with something better. And that's what I think they have to be even more concerned about, be even more vigilant about, be even more careful about, is they make sure they have a good product that they're, and they get people involved in it who love the franchise. You got to love the franchise. I, I'm one of those people that believes that. I know with WWE, like they like to hire people who are not WWE fans, which is a strange thing to me. But to me, you got to love it. Feige loves Marvel. So I want someone in charge of it. You can feel. And I don't think it's Kathleen. I don't know Kathleen's love, but you want to feel. I think that's the big thing that the undercurrent of anger amongst the fandom is they sense people are in charge of the franchise. They don't understand or love it in the way that they do. And I don't mean like sycophantic love. I mean right. love like I want to see the best of it. Bring out why we fell in love with it as kids. Uh, it's it's weird. It, yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I, I happen to know George Lucas himself had a no fanboys rule. Where he wouldn't fire, hire, didn't want to hire that. Yeah, that's bad. But 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 there's levels of it. So mm-hmm. I, I know what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that to undercut your point, John. I'm saying mm-hmm. it is like there's different. Of course, same with functioning t- functioning fans. Yes. yes, to go not, to the WWE's right. example. Right. Sometimes they'll hire sitcom writers who've never been in a wrestling locker room, and right. that sometimes shows. Let's not yeah. go to Collider Body Slam Part Two right now. <laughs> um, but yes. So it's a weird balance. I, I get it there. And, and to your point, Perry of of. You know, a little breath, a little breath of fresh air, a little moment to, mm. to kind of rest might, might be okay. But but back to John's point, the, the 2021 Benioff and Weiss come out and there's a, a, a you know, there's probably going to be a female lead. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like if you're upset at that, God bless you. Yeah. It's still going to be there. Welcome. Welcome to the modern era. And it's a great era uh, just in general overall. Uh, all right. That's business talk. <laughs> I'm Jim Cramer. It's a reference to a business guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm Lou Dobbs. Uh, let's keep going here. Let's talk about Solo, a Star Wars story, and co-writer John Kasdan. He and his father, Lawrence Kasdan, who he refers to by his uh, name, Larry, um, released a couple days ago on Twitter 52 useless factoids and tidbits that went into the movie. Uh, the Twitter thread casts a doubt on the potential sequel. I think there was no doubt about that doubt. Um, <laughs> I found the list. Uh, let's dive into the list a little bit here. Uh, I found the list pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. Two or three troublesome. He's very cumbersome in handling some of the stuff about Tandy Newton and Val. Uh, he angered a, a, a lot of fans, actually, the way he, he phrased it. And then uh, there was some pushback against his uh, the idea of Han telling Leia about the thermal detonator and that, that she maybe didn't make that decision in Jedi on her own and all that kind of... So there was mm. some... John, but John, John Kasdan is, has always been out and about, for better or worse, in front of this movie, talking about it, talking about some of his thoughts and decisions and being kind of an open book. And that's sometimes going to lead to people criticizing you. Mm. But uh, a, lot stu- a lot of stuff in here. So, Perry, you got some notes, and I let you keep the notes. 
You what do. You, <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to honor Christian and throw them across. I the can't room move right that now. fast. To <laughs> uh, that's why I keep my mug on my notes now, so no one can Smart. throw them. Um, well, when I first read this list, it mm-hmm. was uh, it was after hearing a little bit about it from everyone in the office. Mm-hmm. So I already knew, you know, it's it's more of a list of excuses than anything. But H- how is how is that? <laughs> I, how is that? I will say that anyone who calls them excuses didn't understand solo. I'm saying it right now. Well, you can't you can't denigrate her no. opinion. Calling no, 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 no. They're I'm not. I'm excuses. actually going to go the other way. You say they're, they're not. not excuses. Excuses. I'm actually going to go the other way on it. I think okay. that the, the existence. I'm tired of being nice. <laughs> to people who don't understand solo <laughs> liking it perry could dislike it or not like it or not enjoy it as much i'm just so yeah. tired kasdan wrote dickensian themes through this movie it's excuses get out of here i look at these as first as as someone who likes behind the scenes details i love mm-hmm. this kind mm-hmm. of stuff I'll, I'll eat this stuff up all day long yeah i do i find it really really interesting whether i like a movie or not I love right, hearing about the it, time it and shows that the went process into, exactly. to make these big budget movies. Exactly. And I, I like to be able to have a little bit of insight, but I will say that the existence of this list at all, if the possibility of a second solo movie wasn't already in doubt enough, some of the things that he says and writes in this thing probably aren't Disney approved. No, and definitely. that to me just all over this list says, we're not going to be able to make another one, so I'm going to put all this out there right now. Whether you want to read it as an excuse or not, that is what the list represents more than anything to me. He is the only person to date. Now, I think that's part of, you know, I don't know, arbitration agreements or whatever's gone on. Lord Miller, where they're planning to sue Lucasfilm, I've heard yes, I've heard no, whatever. It's not a surprise on the solo special features. They're going to only refer to... Uh, some troubles on the set from Ron Howard and everything. He's the only person to date to give specific credit to Lord Miller on mm-hmm. certain things. That was pretty fascinating to me. Too. That was really uh, refreshing to read, too, also because the way he does express that is as a true collaboration. And, you know, who am I to say what really went on behind closed doors? But, yeah. you know, if I have to tell you what picture painted that I like the most, it, it's kind of the way that he expresses it right. here, like giving them credit for things that were there early on, things that uh, they passed the baton on to Ron Howard, things that Ron Howard brought to the table. I, I kind of really appreciated that part of this. Oh, it's fascinating because you, you see Ron Howard is the one who executed the speeder chase, but mm-hmm. might have been uh, Lord Miller. But then also how Lawrence Kasdan, who is an old school Star Wars fan, didn't even want a speeder chase. Mm-hmm. He's focusing on the the uh, the themes of Solo and Kira, this Dickensian uh, kind of uh, situation going on here. That, that that's pretty fascinating. But I but that's the collaborative process where I like that Ron Howard's like no, we need to really and the Lord Miller like no, we need to have something that shows. This other side of Han, it ties into other wonderful themes. All right, Roka. Yeah. We've talked for a while. Yeah. Come it's at fascinating. Me. Come it's, at me, it's bro. It's a fascinating... All right, I'm not going to say it's a list of excuses, but I will say it certainly is a lot of explanations for why the film turned out the way it did, why he made choices the way he did. Mm-hmm. The idea of reverencing Michael Mann. Look, John Kasdan is, is a good screenwriter, but... There's not an ounce of Michael Mann in this movie. I'm sorry. There isn't. As a massive Michael Mann fan, you didn't even come close to it. And you know why? Because Ron Howard is not the director to give you a Michael Mann vibe. So you may have angled it as Michael Mann. I love the idea that, you know, Paul Bettany, who he calls a man god, was playing the Robert Prosky character from (laughs) Thief. That's a great reference. If you haven't seen Michael Mann's Thief, do yourself a favor and go back and watch that. I love that. The stuff with Tandy Newton is troublesome to hear. How did you not know 
what an accomplished actress you had in your midst, and how did you not know that this part, just from watching the dailies, was going to be was going to spark a lot of reaction that people were upset to see her be killed off this way. And so these are these things that I'm reading through. And I do like, I do like that he gave Lord Miller a lot of credit. Like he gave him credit for the Wookiee stuff and the mud pit scene. He says bet one of the best scenes of the movie. I agree. Wookiee. And if that's a if that's a sample of what Lord Miller was going to do, that makes me actually want to see the Lord Miller version more than this version. And he talks about money, $250 million. Yeah, it cost $250 million because Kathleen Kennedy at the last minute, reverse course, brought in Ron Howard, reshot 80% or 90% of the movie and did all this kind of stuff. So that's going to increase your load. Because so, Bob Iger because, right. wanted Lord Miller. I'm sorry, because right. Bob Iger wanted Lord Right, Bob Iger wanted Lord Miller. We wanted to see that kind of thing. Battle, so, battle, battles. It's all those things that are, that are laid out here. Uh, but, uh, but I do enjoy, as Perry said, going behind the scenes and hearing this. But then again, we're only getting this from one person's perspective we don't really know wait till i would like ron howard to write one of these i'd like lord miller i really want lord miller to write one of these in here (laughs) what they went through i don't think legally they can but that'd be fascinating which is bs because you should be allowed to write about what your experiences are like you're a human being it's a free country you got a right to say what you want to say Uh, but unless he he could write freely without any recourse or 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 consequence he probably didn't sign a legal agreement that they uh, don't speak i just think it's unfair because it seems one-sided and it's it's john caston's point of view and yeah he's quite giving credit throughout which is good and he explains things thoroughly which is fun for us as movie nerds but Overall, I also think it's only one person's point of view, and I would like to hear from other people involved in the process their honest thoughts, their 52 points that they want to make. And this idea of a sequel, look, Ken loves the film. I think there are a lot of people who, do, who, who I've spoken to who love, the, who love Solo, who go back and revisit it now after all the hoopla's died down and actually learn to appreciate it. Would they want to see a sequel? I don't know. The guy signed for three films. Him talking about Lando, that to me sounds like he's pushing for a Lando spinoff movie. And so all these kinds of things. There has to be something to be salvaged here. And I feel like in the, when reading this, there is absolutely something to be salvaged. I just wonder if they have the guts or... I don't, I don't think it'll happen. To do yeah, it. I don't think it'll happen on the big screen. I think right. might get books. I think that the thought that there's a third act to Kieran Han's story, yeah. um, how Maul ends up stranded on Malachar, or Malachor from this this point's fascinating to yeah. me. A Lando story is something I think even Lucasfilm wanted to see. I don't know if we'll, we'll get. Again, because I, I, I think I, I really didn't want... This movie shouldn't have been in May. I think it should have been December yeah. for a lot of different reasons. Um, let me ask you one last thing. Yeah. You're a writer. Yeah. You're a writer. The references throughout the stuff... Like, Do you write screenplays like this? Oh, I, I love you to death. I'll take some of that. Uh, oh, I, I think... I'll take some of that. Uh, I'll take some of that. That to me bothered me. I'm like, just write your story, son. I, I think you've got does. your influences. I, Why are you being influenced? I, I, think, I, I think it's like writing to a mixtape. It's like writing to a song. It's like writing. It's, you you want to put odes and like when he talked about uh, the the comic books, the stack of Marvel comic books, right. and he wanted that scene on Kessel to feel like a cover of a comic book. That's, that's, that's the kind of stuff I think he was that's doing. That's fine. But Do I think he was checklisting? No, I don't think he was doing that. Well, the way he yeah. lays it out, it feels like a layer of the white worm. I'm going to pull that. Oh, oh, Bruce Springsteen biography. I'm going to pull that. And that, to me, seems like a mishmash. And maybe, and that was the biggest criticism about the movie, is that it felt like a mishmash. And I wonder if the original script was a mishmash anyway, and maybe Lord Miller was trying to fix it, or Ron Howard couldn't fix it. I don't know. And so those are the things that bother me coming out of this. In my very, very limited experience writing 
scripts yeah. strictly in school and I never continued after that. I felt that every single thing that I wrote was an influence of something that I loved before. Right. Influence, per- particularly because things. I had, I did have a habit of always uh, writing uh, slasher movie scripts. No surprise there. But <laughs> a lot of a lot of like the kill sequences I came up with did normally connect to, like, a Scream influence or Final Destination or something like that. And I, you know, if I was busy explaining my script to everybody, I could probably come up with a pretty significant list of why I designed something to look a certain way because Mm. I loved it here so much. Tarantino. Tarantino, I go to Kill Bill. Oh, well, of course. Kill Bill. So it's a good point. It's a good point. I don't, I don't, I just don't, I, I didn't take it as... He took a checklist. I think it's when you when you dive into some of the mm-hmm. stuff like Perry said. But I'm sure you're not alone, John. You're not on an island with your medicine from your surgery. Thank you. It's nice to feel that uh, way. So the debate will, I'm sure, uh, rage on for solo. If you haven't had a chance to dig into the special features, I, I think you absolutely should. The It's weird. You can tell maybe maybe there was a bigger documentary being filmed, but they just released the special featurettes. And at some point, it looks like Bradford Young's the only director on the set. <laughs> and you're like, where's where's the other people? But it's fascinating. It talks about the train heist, how Lawrence Kasdan and John Kasdan uh, wanted this as Han's first foray into the criminal world, and how much it cost, and how much he's had to still make that decision after seeing people go, and all this kind of wonderful. It really dives in deep to the movie, and plus you get to see Chewbacca doing battle ropes and curling. Um, it's pretty fascinating. All right, next uh, story coming on here. We've got some. Uh, Rumors about episode nine. I didn't dive into this, there, John. Uh, I know. I, I hesitate to put rumors on for you. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't, don't, like uh, it's, I don't do it too much there. Your job is to host this damn yeah, show and yeah. you talk about what I tell you to talk <laughs> about. Yep. When I put it on I the listen rundown. To you. Damn it! I listen to you. So, well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> rumors, rumors. If you don't want any rumor talk, Cody put up that rumor alert. Is a rumor alert? Well, it's a spoiler. Alert. Oh, That's there it close is. enough. <laughs> Uh, so I haven't. I don't even know where this is coming from. I don't even know the sources. But let's talk about this big one about the idea because we've talked about it here before yeah. about Snoke returning in some way, shape, or fashion. Perry. Yeah, I kind of figured this would happen, especially you know when you uh, when you take into account what they were building from the beginning of Force Awakens with this character, the reaction to the Last Jedi, and just the need to. I think maybe tie up the arc of Snoke in a satisfying way. I still am not entirely convinced that they're going to bring him back in, like, in the flesh. I think it's going to be more, more of us getting an understanding of how he rose to power and how mm-hmm. he came into this picture and how he connected with Kylo Ren. And I am happily ready to receive all of that information because even though I liked, I personally liked how Snoke was used in The Last Jedi. Love it, yeah. Those are questions that I'm eager to hear answered and I think once I have those answered, then I can go back and watch Force Awakens and Last Jedi all over again and I can look at those Snoke scenes with a new set of eyes. Yeah, flashbacks, John. You want mm-hmm. flashbacks? I... Johnson brought some in with the, the Luke and Kylo stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Star Wars doesn't usually do flashbacks. Correct, but, yeah. So I... I I would hesitate to see them, but if they work with the overall story, then great. Uh, you know, this is a situation where J.J. has to come in and kind of like, you know, smooth down some of the edges from what Ryan Johnson was doing. I personally didn't like what happened with Snoke in the throne room. I did like the throne room battle. If that was the reason to do it, the battle, but the result was fantastic. It was badass, but 
him being this supposedly incredibly intelligent dude who could connect these things and being strong with the force ain't gonna sense a lightsaber moving towards him because he's caught in his hubris that to me always struck me as inauthentic so if you want to explain to me that he's got a pattern of this through his life then i'll have a little more understanding perhaps a little more fleshing out of the character but yes a lot of people uh, a lot of us want to know why are you going to introduce this huge character and not give us the backstory the background not give us any connection what's going on here so if you do it in a way that's effective and smart and, and works within the, 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 the storytelling of the movie, then great. I, I'm, cool, I'm cool with it. You know, I, I don't mind that Oaks coming out. I mean, Snow coming back. The Hux thing, though, the Hux thing is interesting. Hmm. What's the Hux thing? All right, I'm going to take it slow, but I don't want you to get upset. Because the Hux thing I've is, already got upset today. Right, I won't get enough. upset again. Fair enough. The Hux thing is that... Enfis Nest is the face <laughs> of the rebellion. Coaxium is in... Oh, God, people. Nina Gold found her. Oh. Nina Gold found the actress to play Enfis Nest. She's got a face built for movies. Um, so this uh, Hux rumor is that Hux uh, is supposedly the traitor to the First Order here in order to undercut Kylo Ren. Now, I like this rumor. The reason I put it on is because we've seen this in Star Wars Rebels, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen this a couple of times. A couple of characters turned on the Empire in Star Wars Hot Rebels. Callous. Uh, Sexy yeah. Callous. Being Callous being the number yeah. one, which I think we were all fi- uh, happy yeah. with because we all love David Oyelowo. And so... To that we've seen patterns of this, but th- it makes sense to me in this way because Hux wants to run things, and we saw that at, when he comes into that throne room after Snoke has been killed, and he's like, "Well, who's going to be in charge? I'm going to be in charge." And he's like, "I'm going to choke you out." And so he's never liked Kylo. So for him to undercut Kylo and put him in position to be weak, I like that idea. I also like it if they're going to try to redeem Kylo because you know, once again, we make a WWE reference. You want to make someone like someone who's a heel. You bring another heel on that makes more of a heel than the heel, and you Ooh. start to make people a lot like of heels. him. So this kind of thing, you have heels within heels. Heels within heels. <laughs> heels, within heels. The John Roca story. There it is. There it is. Heels within heels. Put it on my tombstone. I was okay. loving how you were explaining that until you talked about redeeming Kylo, and then I'm like, nope. Yeah, well, that's, nope. I, think, I think there's a possibility that they might try, and the way you try is to make someone else be even more of a heel than Kylo, and you make him sympathetic in the situation. I don't think Hux is even close to being capable of that. I, the way you present like so far, agreed. You've got yeah. to have equals, and it's like I was reading, mm-hmm. uh, I think it might have come from the main article that were, so the rumor came from from the Sunday Express and whatever yep. article you sent out had mentioned, uh, how can we ever believe that Hux would even be capable of doing yeah. such a thing when he fell for Poe's joke at the beginning of mm-hmm. Last Jedi, which I think is kind of reasonable, but with everything I know of Hux and everything I know about his father, they are very capable of manipulating things behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and it seems in character for him to do something like that. And in reality, it's the only way for him to usurp Kylo. Right. That is well established in The Last Jedi. So unless he's going to find that back door, he's going to be stuck basically serving Kylo. Yeah, and that, that, this, is, this is interesting stuff. I'm glad you put it in here, John. <laughs> I, love, I love what they did with Hux in The Last Jedi because he is a pointless, fearful fascist yeah. who is a bad guy simply because... I'm fearful of change and fearful of everything. That was part of part of the point. But to his point, Brendel Hux. Brendel Hux was the worst of the empire. He was slovenly. He was mis, you know, didn't look the part. He wasn't like Piet and Jer Gerard and all these people. He was looked down upon in the empire. And what does Hux do? Hux has him killed. General Armitage Hux kills Brendel Hux yeah. uh, out of desperation, out of trying to get more power with Snoke gone. With Snoke gone, Kylo is unchained, we know, but now Hux feels as though 
he has a better path, and he's done this before. The swerve, yep. he's done it before. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting to me. And then, and the, the whole point of Captain Moden Kennedy in the beginning wasn't yeah. just to, you know, Mark Lewis Jones bringing a great character to, to Star Wars for five minutes with that grimace. It was the point that the, the people who work for Hux think he's an idiot yeah. and don't think he's capable of leading. But Hux obviously thinks he's the dude on the on the Starkiller base going, on which we stand, aren't yeah. I cool? So there, now there's a wonderful power play. With Snoke gone, Daddy's gone. Mm-hmm. Unless Ray Sloan comes back, which hopefully the twenty minutes of the middle of the movie, you just Ray Sloan returning and and telling everybody where she's been for twenty years. Um, I, it's an interesting, it, interesting. Well, and if you look at Hux at the end of near the end of Last Jedi, when they're they're on crate and he's talking to Kylo, and he actually mouths off to Kylo a couple times. Yeah, right. He says. I think you got him. Because he, see, he sees Kylo going. Exactly. He so sees his I, window. And that's the thing. And I know he's an incompetent buffoon in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. I, I, I hate that in Last Jedi. I, no one's ever going to talk to me into liking that. <laughs> but when he comes back later and he as in the situation that he's navigating, right? We all know this. We all know smarmy people who get yeah. put into situations where they're in deficit, but they slowly politic and they slowly play both sides and they slowly show multiple faces to get to a position where they can move higher up. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure people watching know someone like that in their lives or in their businesses. So you see that happen. So why wouldn't he do that? Why wouldn't he be able to slowly yeah. undercut Kylo, uh, as Kylo, because Kylo gets, is obviously emotional. Kylo gets too angry. Kylo overuses the weapons. Kylo does way too much. And Kylo got smoked by an apparition in front of everybody. <laughs> That's so, the thing. In, yeah. front, in front of everybody could be the game changer yeah. in the First Order that now we know that he is capable of going behind the scenes and manipulating things. But if he gets some other people in the First Order to say, look, that guy screwed up. Yeah. Our enemy got away. Now maybe I should turn to this guy and help him out a little. And our supreme leader was killed right in front of him. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's like the, it's like primaries to a general election. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, some other quick news and notes. We do want to leave time for questions here to round up movie news. We uh, got Adam Driver. He's going to be hosting the season premiere of Saturday Night Live. Uh, what season is this now? 43, 43, sure. 44. Uh, he, of course, hosted before Matt, the Raider technician. Uh, we had Bobby Moynihan on Jedi Council last year. He talked about this sketch, uh, Mikey Day uh, writing this sketch along with some others. Taryn Killen, Bobby Moynihan, and Mikey Day, big Star Wars fans when they were on SNL. This is an all-time classic. Yeah. People uh, cosplay as Matt the Raider technician. <laughs> it is brilliant, and I'm sure some Star Wars humor will be on the way, John Roca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look forward to it. Matt the technician. <laughs> I, I dug it, uh, Perry. Uh, you're from NYC. Uh, are you excited for this? <laughs> of course. I, I, I the only I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to make something out of it. <laughs> the only reason I'm excited is because I'm yeah, from yeah, NYC. It's the yeah, only reason, that's right? It. Okay. <laughs> only reason. All right. Have you yeah. ever been to a live taping? I haven't, and I've been wow. very, very jealous because I used to live in that vicinity too. Oh, so yeah, I nice. would see lines just wrapped around the block, depending, especially depending on who was on the show at the yeah. time. But this is one of the sketches that I have caught myself watching and rewatching ever Absolutely. since it first aired. So obviously, I want to see a part two to this. Yeah, Moynihan's uh, action figure sketch where don't take him off the shelf is my favorite. Yeah, you know. By the way, I'm still, you know, when we were all as a team out in New York uh, a couple years ago. We, we you, I kept hearing you say, "I've got a deli. We're going to go to my deli." We never made it. To your wasn't deli. A, wasn't a deli, it was a diner. Whatever. And it's because LA has a diner problem. They yeah. like to call things diners. They're not real diners. What are you talking about? What's Patty's is a for? fantastic diner. 
Patty's over well, there on you, Riverside. It's you a great told diner. me about that, Norm's and I is said Norm's is a terrible diner. I haven't, te- I haven't tested that place out, <laughs> but a bunch of times I've been sent to places, and they're like, yeah. "It's a diner," but uh, you know, like a diner somewhere you go at one, two in the morning, yeah. and you want like a greasy grilled cheese or something, right, and yeah. I have yet to find that uh, here. As a team, we're going to we'll Coral Parrot. Coral Cafe, Coral Cafe, local diner here. But I understand what you're saying. Final note in movie news: Ethan Hawke wants to play any Star Wars role, even a Wookie. As uh, John Roca and Rio Durant would say, all right, let's fantasy book this out here, kids. Uh, Ethan Hawke, what would you want him to be in the Star War? Oh, yeah? Do you want to play a star? you want to be in a franchise now, Ethan? Are you sure? Because you're going to have to play Excellent dress up. point. You're going to have to play dress up, and maybe you'll have some claws coming out of your fingers, and maybe you won't be as respected amongst your intelligentsia for being in a movie that was like a franchise with superheroes. There's going to be things in space flying around, creatures with weird faces. Are you sure you're okay with that? I know it isn't Edgar S. Burroughs, but it might be, you know... Whatever. I can see the steam coming out. I love it. It's, it's a day of getting grumpy, because you Listen, and I are both broken today. Yeah. And so... He was here... With an interview with Haley, and I had to sit at my desk and be quiet. But I was Did like, I wanna wanted outlaw? to ask him so bad. Did you want to outlaw oh, I him? him? I want to burst through the interview. But I respect Haley so much, and I like my job. I didn't want to burst through and go like, Ethan Hawke, you tell the truth about Logan, you son of a... You know, so, okay. But I, right. I, I think he'd be a great Empire guy. He's a, he can play villain. His face now can play a villain. It's really... It's yeah. really he's his really grown now. into an older face kind of like good I know what you mean, but yeah. face. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's got the lines and stuff. So to me, yeah. that would work as a very angry, like really evil Empire guy. Like we saw with Krennic. We saw with Ben Mendelsohn. But he yeah, was, I love I that. I think Ethan would be great to do I that. Love, I love yeah. Krennic, and I love that. I could see that as well. Uh... Uh, Perry, or do you want him to be a Gungan? (laughs) I kind of would, actually. Mm -hmm. Well, because the easy answer is saying a villain, because he he is, I feel like he is made for those kinds of roles, especially now, but now that he said it, like, I want to see him own up to, like, I will play a Wookiee or something along those lines Mm -hmm. where he is Mm -hmm. just... Stuck on a on a really long blockbuster shoot in a really hot sweaty costume or yeah. in like mocap gear where we don't wind up seeing his face at the end. Not that I don't I don't like him. I, I admire mm. him as an actor, but <laughs> still I want to see him own up to what he has been saying. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I you know and I, I Ethan Hawke actually I'm a, oddly a huge fan of the Great Expectations remake they did with really? Quentin Falcon and Robert De Niro. I don't know why. I love the soundtrack. I love okay. the look of the film. Uh, that's What's his name? It's, uh, I forget who Soundtrack's good. Soundtrack's good, yeah. yeah. Pulp. Mono, Mono did that song. Mono, Pulp, yep. Like a Friend song. Yep. Great soundtrack. Like Welcome soundtrack. to Soundtrack. Soundtrack <laughs> talk there. Uh, anyways, I think it would be interesting. Uh, it'd be uh, old wise Jedi. He's got that, he's got that look. You Could know, us with the gray and the beard. Just put an old lightsaber in our hands. Uh, that is the end of uh, Star Wars Movie News. Long discussion on the movie news because the business uh and me and roca dealing with our emotional and physical pains working it out here on the show perry thanks for being the only sane person here today i'm kidding john's saying i'm a little out of it napa know-how at napa auto parts stores and napa auto care centers get a 25 dollars prepaid visa card when you get any napa automotive battery it's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around but we might be a little partial anywho pick up any napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little Chico Pit Boomers 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. 
I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC Let's Go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey, Collider fans, this is John Roca. You guys know I'm a massive fan of the Justice League. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and of course, Shazam! So I'm into DC Universe. It's the ultimate DC membership. It's the only place you can watch original DC series like the all-new live-action Titans, which premieres in fall of 2018. Young Justice, Outsiders, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, which just got a, a cast announced, so I'm looking forward to that. Stargirl and Harley Quinn coming in 2019. And new episodes are available weekly. That's right, weekly! So you're never bored, you're never out of content. DC Universe takes care of you in that way. And if you're a comic reader, that will change the way you read comics. It even works on your big screen TV. It's the place to grab exclusive DC merch like Justice League animated series action figures. There's even a members-only store. You can debate and discuss all things DC. We know there's a lot of debate about DC online, so why not bring it out into the DC Universe? you got fan-focused discussion forums. You can share your own DC knowledge with other people as well. You can win awesome rewards just for being a member and it's available on all your favorite devices that's right like ios and android roku apple tv amazon fire tv android tv and google chromecast this is more than just a streaming service everybody this is your universe it's only 7.99 a month that's right only 7.99 a month or better yet grab an annual membership and save 20 percent join the ultimate dc membership today at dcuniverse.com Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 What's up, Collider TV Talk fans? Josh McCuga here with Thad Williams. Uh, we're, we're here. We're on the podcast channel, Collider TV Talk. Subscribe. Get on here. We're talking all kinds of fun stuff on TV Talk. TV Talk is back. The fact that you guys haven't subscribed to this channel is bonkers. Yeah, you should really do it. Uh, <laughs> search search Collider TV Talk in iTunes or you can go to Podcast One and you mm-hmm. can copy the link and put it into your podcast feed reader. You can find us on the Collider Podcasts channel on YouTube. We're here. We're doing TV Talk every Friday. We're doing spoiler reviews of your favorite shows. 100%. We're doing Emmy specials. We're doing interviews with writers and directors and stars. Anything you want, we're doing on Collider TV Talk. Us, special guests, friends, the Pope, everyone's coming in. It's going to be good. the young Pope, actually. The young Pope. He's coming in. Jude Law. Yeah, yeah. Coming in. Uh, yeah, you should do it. You should subscribe right now. The fact that you're not doing it is ridiculous. So put down those books or magazines or whatever else you're doing that isn't watching TV Talk and watch us. Josh McCuga, Thad Williams. 
Hey, Collider fans, it's your buddy Mark Ellis, the host of Collider Movie Talk, at least I am today, and y'all know I'm a huge fan of Batman, and I cannot wait to watch one of my favorite all-time animated shows, Batman, the animated series in HD on DC Universe. DC Universe, it's the ultimate DC membership created just for DC fans like you and me. It's the only place you can watch original DC series like the all-new live-action Titans premieres fall 2018, Young Justice Outsiders, Doom Patrol, Swamp Things, Stargirl and Harley Quinn coming in 2019. New episodes are available weekly, so there's always something new to check out. It's thoughtfully curated, regularly refreshed library of digital comics. The comic reader is going to change the way you read your comic books. It even works on your big screen TV. Even John Roca's new 4K TV will love the comic reader. This is the place to grab exclusive DC merch, debate and discuss all things DC, and it's available on your favorite devices, iOS, Android, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Android TV and Google Chromecast. Only $7.99 a month. That might be the best part. Or better yet, grab an annual membership and save 20%. Join the ultimate DC membership today at DCUniverse.com. That's DCUniverse.com. And tell Bruce Wayne I said hi. Uh, we're going to move on to What's the Deal with Canon. <laughs> Look at that little Greedo. Actually, it's not Greedo. It's just a Rodian. Unless Greedo did some stand-up before he was killed. By Han Solo, who shot first. Uh, let's roll through some of this so we have time for mm. some movie que- uh, fan questions there uh, at the end. We saw the little short uh, introduction of the Aces, the pilots from Star Wars Resistance. And uh, I really loved what was uh, put forth here. Mm-hmm. Hype Faison, uh, uh, Griff is the character played by our friend Stephen Stanton. Admiral Raddus is now a regular in the series as uh, with Griff Halloran, a Empire, uh, uh, a former M- Imperial TIE fighter pilot. A lot of cool things. And this series, you know, some people are already against it, and that's fine. Uh, I went from going, you know, this might be one of the first things that's not necessarily for me, and I'll just see. And then now after this, I was like, I'm intrigued by what's, the team that's there. Barry? Yeah, no, I, I like the team, and the more I hear about the story and more about the team, the more I think that the anime, anime style really well suits what's going to be happening here, especially when you start to look at more footage, and mm-hmm. you see the colors pop, and you see some of the characters interact, and all the different ship designs. I, these things just seem to pair really well to me, and, you know, the only thing that ever gives me pause, strictly because I'm an adult, is when they say in these little featurettes, this is, this is for uh, younger fans, yeah. and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I thought Disney XD shows were for younger fans. I wound up loving yeah. Rebels, so maybe the same thing is going to happen here, but you know, I was a little lukewarm on the first trailer, where I loved the look of it and the world they were building, but there wasn't really a story hook at the point to to really get me into it, but the more uh, the more details I read now online, I, I'm eager to just see the group come together and this right. whole plot actually happen. Yeah, we do have some titles for the episodes, uh, John. Uh, I'll, I'll read that. from This yep. is from the German site, Gideo, G- Jedi Bibliothek. We always seems to have weird, like, release date title news. Germans are crafty. Uh, crafty, crafty. Uh, we got the recruit, Triple Dark, Fuel for the Fire, the High Tower. We don't know what many of those mean yet. Mm-hmm. We know uh, they are on a fuel base. That's where they're based out of. Mm-hmm. And they race when they're bored, John. Yeah, yeah. Look, they said Top Gun influence. You had me. You got me. 
You got me. Then you throw in a reference to the Red Baron. See, this is when you're nitpicking scenes out of a movie and then being influenced overall by a movie. Right. There's a difference for me there. And to me, that's what I like about this. You've got the influences, and you can see it in this uh, breakdown, and you can hear the, see the characters. It's really great to see. As a voiceover actor myself, it's really fun to see the voiceover actors who are, a little, who are way more accomplished than I am talk about how they come up with these characters and construct these things. Because obviously, that's a, I would love to have that situation in my life. So to see them talk about it, it, may, it brings you into the world of the show, but it also brings you into the, the the work that these actors are doing to bring these characters to life through their voice. And when yeah. you see them paired up with the video as they're voicing over the characters, it's really fun to watch that and made me even more excited to see these characters. And they all seem very distinct and powerfully distinct mm. in their own ways. And that's what you that's what really worked for Star Wars Rebels. I think this might even be even more distinct than Star Wars Rebels, these characters. And the idea of the First Order being right around the corner constantly, that lets you know that it is for kids – but there, I don't think they're going to walk away from that danger, and 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 like Rebels didn't. So mm-hmm. it'll go dark when it needs to go dark. But it looks like a fun, vibrant show, and I think we need that now. After Last Jedi, yeah. after Solo, I think something slide in that's fun and vibrant, playful, and brings you back to the spirit of the original trilogy. I think it's a good thing to have. I absolutely agree, and 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 you know, it's a person that we, we friends with Stephen Stanton, who uh, mm. voiced Abaratus, but also it's just you know, AP Five, Mebra Gascon, Governor, uh, well, uh, I think what Captain Tarkin, Tar- Tarkin from the Clone mm-hmm. Wars. Uh, he's always been this wonderful utility player in Star Wars, and and to learn. Uh, that Stephen is a regular cast member with Griff Halloran. I, I really uh, am happy for our friend Stephen. I say we fight. All right, we've got uh, a little bit of Marvel news. This is a, a, a Marvel kind of uh, Marvel Star Wars event that I've been looking forward to, and this is the one that's got the uh, – they announced it uh, recently. Um, was that a Comic-Con? I can't remember. They've got the Star Wars Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, Age of Resistance series. First out is from Jody Hauser with the Age of Republic, who did the excellent Thrawn adaptation for the comic books there. Um, we've got uh, – this is a great banner they revealed too. So we got comics dealing with these characters here mm-hmm. during these times. We're going to learn a little bit more about things. I, I uh, immediately focus on the prequel era stuff. I love a lot of these characters. I want more with Duke. I want more with Qui-Gon. I want more with Padme. And we're going to get it here, including uh, another little tale with Darth Maul uh, and and our first real focus, like I said, on Qui-Gon. So where are you guys coming down on this? Are you excited, John? You want to read some comical booklets with me? I'm excited. Look, let's take a look at this. Oh, let's break it down. Let's break look it down. Let's, let's take a look here, right? you got him, him. Mm-hmm. Him, her, uh, him, 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 her, him, him, her, him, 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 her, him. Yeah. No one's smiling. You know why? Because that's what happens in real life. You don't always <laughs> smile when you're facing good and evil. And so I don't I know. Django it. Fett might be smiling under yeah, there. Under the, yeah. yeah. But it looks badass. And I, I love this design completely. And so I, 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 to me, this makes me feel like this is the Star Wars that I enjoy. When they get all done dark and gritty and they get into the dirt of it. Look at Sky. That's the baddest Mark Hamill I've ever seen, to it's be honest. Good. With you. It's incredible. He's like he's a confident Jedi, but he's still wearing the old Tatooine garb. <laughs> which I like that. You know, I, I dig that. And the cross. With uh, with uh, with what uh, uh, Kylo Ren is wearing there, that, that next there, to Vader, Huxtap there, it's yeah. all of the juxtaposition is really well done. I'm gonna and print so, this out and hang this on my refrigerator. I would love to do that. Yeah. So I'm I'm a big fan of the look of it, and it puts me right. It makes me want to pick it up and read it right now. Absolutely, so, yeah. I'm excited for this one here. Jody Hauser is a great uh, writer to lead this one off. Perry, you gonna be reading some comic books with us too? Uh, yeah, I'd like to. I mean, you, I, yeah. I've had a you know I like to read and watch everything and everything I can, but. Uh, 
it's it's so time consuming and it's so costly. <laughs> I just love how your big takeaway is that nobody's smiling. Yeah, because it was bashing Captain Marvel. I'm right. Like, Shut up. Uh, no one's smiling. These kinds of things. Of, of everything I've read about this, the one that uh, that piques my interest most is the Qui Gon stuff because mm. I want to see that idea of him flirting with the mm. flirting with the dark side and then also uh, the the gray Jedi stuff. That that's something right. that I'd probably yeah. go out and pick up just to learn a little more about. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I wait for for you to. Uh, go through all the comics first and be like, that's a necessity. That's, that's a necessity. Well, um, and I'm a little behind because Star Wars 54 and Lando Double or Nothing 5 is out and I haven't touched those ones Ooh. yet. I did finally get to The Last Jedi uh, number six. Uh, beautiful, some beautiful art in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, great stuff there. Uh, some poster worthy art there. So this is coming out very soon. Comics, uh, they're a fun part of Star Wars. They are canon. Uh, sometimes they go a little wild and wacky. Um, but yeah, there they are. Thanks, Cody. Thanks for putting... I, I, I pitched those wrong. Um, <laughs> it's been one of those days. I can barely move from the waist down. <laughs> Ouch. Don't deadlift, kids. Don't deadlift. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's wrap up, Cannon. John, what do you say we go to some Twitter and Facebook yeah, questions? Sure. Uh, I'll pick one to start, but then, as always, yeah. you know, you produce these and don't get to, you don't get the glory up here, John, all the time. Uh, I want you to go through some of these and the live ones if we got any on the hashtag Collider Jedi Council. I'm sure we do. But I like this one, and this probably would have been more of our... Uh, lead discussion if uh, uncle bob hadn't uh, dropped that interview there Shut his mouth off, yeah man. nick field at nick underscore field 90 says now that marvel studios has announced six to eight episode miniseries focused on mcu characters like loki and scarlet witch this model seems like the perfect method to tell say obi-wan and boba fett stories what say you mm-hmm. that's a pretty good question let's try to you know bob Iger's slowing down comments aside let's have a little fun could this work perry I think it could work. I don't think anything like this is going to happen until the Favreau show comes out and it's a big hit. For all we know, maybe behind closed doors, they're like thinking about certain ideas, certain characters that could fit that model, if that is a model they want to apply to Star Wars at all. But again, it goes back to the conversation we had about the MCU. That that franchise, and again, I'm just referring to the new trilogy of Star Wars films, that franchise has had so many years to develop where I think they're at a point where they can take a risk with a new format like that on TV, whereas they are finding their footing with Star Wars right now. Their first Star Wars show is coming to their streaming service, live action at least. Let's let's get that one right. Mm-hmm. Let's let's take uh, Iger's words to heart. Let's mm-hmm. get that one right, slow it down, and then maybe put something like this into action. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, that's very smart, Perry, as always from you. Very insightful, and I think uh, that's the key. Uh, let's see what this live action, this never been done before in Star Wars. We The rumors of the Underworld series in the 2000s and Ronald D. Moore writing 50 scripts and McCallum saying it's too expensive. All that stuff is, is, is true and part urban legend, but uh, Star Wars on the small screen, live action Star Wars on mm-hmm. the small screen, I think now more than ever can work, John. Yeah, well, if you tied this into what Iger said, and you brought up that quote where he talked about Netflix is this is the model, and so this is in essence, I think what they're doing with the Scarlet Witch Loki situation. If they actually make, if you actually have it be Hiddleston and have it be Elizabeth Olsen, then mm-hmm. you've really, really laid the groundwork for this going on in other franchises that you own, like Star Wars. I think it's certainly possible. This is your way out of a Boba Fett. Or Obi-Wan standalone movie, you make a Boba Fett or Obi-Wan standalone miniseries, six to eight episodes, and you get and you put a Game of Thrones treatment to it, people will 
love it. And you, they'll be jumping into it. They'll stream it. And if that's how you're looking at it, you're, you're shifting your business model away from necessarily making films the number one focus. You make, you're being a little more, uh, you're opening the door a little bit to streaming stuff. Then I think this is a way to go. But I agree with Perry. I think it's not coming anytime soon. I think they want to like put out a couple more movies to make everybody happy. And then they'll start looking at this stuff. And maybe we'll get a grizzled Ewan McGregor coming back yeah. in like four or five years as uh, a Kenobi from that time. I think the I only question I have with this, mm-hmm. if and when it does happen, also because we were just talking about comics, it's like when you when you ask yourself the question, which Star Wars, which of the new Star Wars characters should get this treatment, especially when you focus on the mm-hmm. new ones, mm-hmm. every single one I come up with has a comic already. Right, so right, if, ev- right. Oh, right. if everything's canon, I don't know. It just sounds like it, there's not really a way to kind of separate the two mm-hmm. or retread. Do you worry about people who have read these adventures in the comic form not wanting them having already experienced that and not wanting to watch it in TV form? So I don't know. It sounds yeah. like a like a, a, a little messy to me. It could be. I mean, if you find the right area to really kind of put these stories in, it could work there. You know, and, and new things pop up like now. Uh, I would love to have. I don't need it to be a full series, but I'd love to see a conversation between Saw Gerrera, Cassian Andor, and Infus Nest mm. all around the same time. The, the solo novel ends with Infus and Saw in the same place, and an 11-year-old Jin, and, it, and it's one of the best parts of the, of the book. Mm. You know, that's something I wouldn't have wanted two weeks ago, because I wouldn't have thought of it in those terms. You know, I just didn't, you know, but... but could that stuff, stuff like that happen here? You just got to find the little corners. Otherwise, yeah, some of the canon could, could get muddled. You and know? I think it would be fun if this is a way to bring Hayden Christensen back. You have him do a oh. six to eight episode series as Vader, as Anakin. Redeem go. him as an actor. Play through this. Mm-hmm. Maybe even introduce Dr. Afra in that way. Oh, I'd love well. an Afra. Yeah, an Afra thing would be great. Just Afra alone would be great, but Afra yeah. with Vader in this whole thing. Maybe an Ahsoka appearance. Then you yeah. have people going nuts at that point. I so. saw Hayden just strolling around Toronto while I was there. What? Just so strolling he around? Like, he didn't look that busy, so maybe maybe they can give him something to do with this. You should have pissed it to him, Perry. <laughs> Uh, so that's uh, where you got some questions there, John. Yeah, uh, this is an interesting one. I like this one from Caitlin Marie Summers. She asks, the first six seasons of Clone Wars were overseen by George Lucas as executive producer with Dave Filoni as supervising director. Can the Clone Wars revival be as good or better without George Lucas's guiding presence and him being as directly involved this time around? And I like this question because... It's a valid, legitimate question in this situation, mm-hmm. right? We saw him do it with uh, with Star Wars Rebels. We saw uh, Filoni do nice with that. But this is Clone Wars. This mm-hmm. is Lucas's baby. And as much as uh, uh, Filoni was a part of it, he, Lucas was such a guiding force in this. So you remove Lucas. Does this trend go off the tracks a little bit? Or can Filoni really do what needs to be done here and understand the uh, the uh, all the characters and the depth of these characters to bring them back for a second season and capture that magic from those first six seasons? And you love the Clone Wars, Ken, so... Yeah, I do. Yeah, I so do. what do you think? Uh, I, I think now more than ever, uh, if Rebels kind of being a big... Uh big uh you know sample size there for feloni i think yeah he, he totally has it uh do i love everything dave does no i, I don't mm. like the space whales i don't like puffer yeah. pigs i don't like some of that stuff um but that's okay not everything needs to be for everybody uh and not everything you can still have problems with the wrath tars but like the force awakens you know what i mean and i mm-hmm. think i think dave shows he knows these characters what he did with them in rebels what he did with bringing back ahsoka um, yeah, correct. A lot of it does come from George. George is, is big on Star Wars being a little weird, Star Wars being about the cosmic force and that stuff on Mortis. Mm-hmm. And George was in the writer's room. Uh, um, and, and there's a lot of uh, 
lot of examples of how George, while everyone was bashing him for the prequels, was in there just making the series they love with Dave Filoni, his heir apparent. So I, I think Dave, Dave can do it, and I'm sure there'll be some phone calls if there hasn't been already because yeah, this sure. has been long in the works, I'm sure. So, yeah. In Filoni, I trust. Of all of the, you know, the higher-ups... In the creative department at Star Wars right now, he's probably the one that I would choose to hand certain reins mm. over to quicker than anybody else. And, you know, yeah, that's how that show came to be. But since then, he's had so much experience. And it's not like that original experience is lost either. Mm-hmm. It's like he learns from that. He adds on what he's done now, what he's already planning for the future. And everything gets taken into account. And really, I mean... Any kind of experience at all is only going to make him a better storyteller in the Star Wars uh, in the Star Wars franchise. So I think it's all going to be cumulative. Sounds yeah, good. My only concern is that with Filoni, like with Ahsoka's his, a lot of the characters from Star Wars Rebels are his, and so he he creates their legacy, their origin, their birth, and so. But with, with the stuff from Clone Wars, a lot of that is George's. And so uh, I hope there'll be constant communication between these two, so they can capture that. And I would. I would love to have George come back as a consultant and make a big deal about that and bring him back. That's another way to kind of smooth things over as well. Uh, do you want to answer the next one? Do you want to pick a next uh, one? But do you want to do like one or two more here? Yeah, I know one we, or two we more. started a little we late. We started late, so, so we're, let's we're, do maybe two, hour, two so more, and then uh, I'm going to go have a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one's just for Ken. Um, <laughs> this is from Matthew Wilson, and I'll give Cody time to bring it up here. At the Geek's Attic. Do you think there could possibly be a significant time jump within Episode Nine? Half the film being closer to the events of uh, The Last Jedi and the second half several years later. And I say this, I threw this in there for you, Ken, because of this idea of Princess Leia, and of course Perry as well, but this idea of Princess Leia, what is Carrie Fisher's uh, involvement going to be? Or is there going to be a time jump in the middle of the movie so that people move on from this loss or whatever? Like, is this opening going to be everybody coming back Leia fighting, all this kind of stuff. Then it's over. Then it's a time jump, and we jump into it. What do you think? I'll tell you what. That that is something I hadn't ever really considered. Uh, you know, I think episode nine will be. You know, the party line is eh, three years after. It'll kind of be like uh, you know, New Hope, Empire. That kind of will right. be back to that. I, and I love that eight started pretty much right after there, but it does kind of squish your story together. Mm-hmm. So we want to space it out. But but the idea that there's some kind of intermission and yeah. <laughs> fade in fade out or something we the use of flashbacks i think is something i would not have thought i wanted in star wars but it was uh, i i like the brief little moments mm-hmm. we got in, in last jedi with him so uh, i think something playing around with the timeline within the movie is interesting to me it's interesting but that's a i and i'm not saying this is a reason for them not to at least try it but that is a huge storytelling challenge mm-hmm. what makes the most sense to me is starting it out saying X amount of years have passed, use the crawl to explain what you guys missed, then just have the story right. play out in, in a regular, you know, traditional timeline. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like a really big challenge to me to have a t- uh, time jump right in the middle and then not have it feel like, like in part one, right. to be continued, uh, part two. But who knows? I mean, for all I know, they've yeah. got a, a great team of creators behind this movie. Maybe they mm-hmm. could pull it off. It just that seems a little more difficult. Yeah, well, I mean, there's rumors about uh, Ray training other people to be Jedi, you know, Kylo with his Knights of Ren or his Knights of Ken. But you see that there. And so 
So he's going to need time, and she's going to need time, right? Yeah. And so maybe during the, if there is a time jump, it works. You can see a six years later, or you know, the crawl. Sometimes I, I always find, I always feel at times it can be a bit of a cop out because look, they got left on crate. There's a, no one answered the call. We don't know what's going to happen if that crawl opens. Because it's been three years since crate, sure. and they survived and all got off the planet, and now they're back in their regular bases. Then I'll be like, damn man, I want to see that. So to me, that's what concerns me here is. Are they going to pick up where they left off like they did with eight, or, or are they going to do the, use the crawl as a jump? So if they pick up where they left off, I can see them all getting off of everything, and then they go, we're going to chill out, we're going to go to our bases and rebuild ourselves. Because, I mean, they were getting wiped out by the First Order. So, and then that gives more time for the Hux and Kylo Ren relationship to develop in that time as well, one way or another. I don't think you can cover gigantic uh, events in a crawl like that, but as you were explaining it, my mind went to, you know, it's been X amount of years since the battle on Crete, and nobody's responded to the call, and then so many years later, all of a sudden, the movie opens with, like, kind of a, a you know, like a blinking red light or something, oh, okay. like message incoming. I don't know. I just okay. made that up. Oh, I like that, though. I like that. <laughs> Uh, what do you say? Should we wrap it up? Because uh, yeah. I'm actually having trouble sitting in the yeah, seat. Yeah, I see you. I see you there. Rap- <laughs> Go ahead, Ken. You wrap this uh, up. Sorry we didn't get to everybody's yeah, questions. Yeah, we started a little bit late today. Yeah. That wasn't anyone's fault other than God. Uh, the Internet just uh, went out right as we started to go live. You would have loved our first take on the opening <laughs> of the show. It was really good. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for joining us here today on Collider Jedi Council. It's always fun talking stories with you guys, whether it's business, whether it's uh, our passions, which can go any way. That's what's so great about the Star Wars universe. It's big enough. You don't have to love everything. You don't have to uh, hate everything. You can still be a Star Wars fan. A lot of fun. Thank you, John Roca, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to be on here. Uh, you guys are awesome. I love the uh, Jedi Council fans. The Grand Moff Nemiroff oh. at YouTube.com. <laughs> oh, Perry no. slash Nemiroff. This is a great little There were no cups cup. in the office. Yeah, uh, that's good branding. Thank you. Always good to have you here. <laughs> it's always nice to be here. You do a killer job producing. You Thank do you. a killer job hosting. It's such a treat. Uh, it's it's a treat to have you and your insights here. Thanks to Cody and Adam in the booth and Thad for coming in and jiggling the internet cord, making us uh, go. You can follow me <laughs> at Cadnapsock. I talk Star Wars on Force Center. I talk uh, motivations on YouTube. You guys know me or you hate me. You can find me. We'll see you next week here on Collider Jedi Council. May the Force be with you. Always. <laughs>